Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of January 9, 2022. The following events are on the KCB Zoom line. Join them by using your computer, cell phone, or landline to dial 669-900-6833 and enter the code 862-9889-6972. The Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, in Owensboro will meet on Tuesday, January 11 from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time, that's 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. The speaker will be Alan Shrebtinko, a retired teacher from Southern Indiana. Alan will share the story of his journey from sighted high school physics teacher through losing his vision and adjusting to a new world as a visually impaired person to becoming a successful entrepreneur. KCB Next Generation, a KCB chapter for anyone 40 and under, will hold its January board meeting on Thursday, January 13 at 8 p.m. Eastern. As always, meetings are open and anyone interested in the chapter and its activities is welcome. It's time to grab your bingo board and spend an evening with the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind covering those lucky numbers, lots of games and lots of winners. Every roundabout begins with announcements of upcoming events and other news. Roundabout happens every Friday from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on the KCB Zoom line. Tri-State Library Users invites everyone to its next book club and meeting on Saturday, January 15 at 11 a.m. Eastern. This month, we are reading Triumph Over Darkness, The Life of Louis Braille by Leonard Bickle. The book is available on both Bookshare and Bard. The first ACB Families program call of the new year will be on Sunday, January 16 at 9 p.m. Eastern. The speaker and topic will be announced on the families email list, on the ACB community call schedule, and on the KCB email list. Families calls are open to both members and non-members. Get ready to share tips about living with vision loss at the next Low Vision Support Group call sponsored by the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. It's on Wednesday, January 19 at 8 p.m., also on the KCB Zoom line. Other activities not on the KCB Zoom line are the following. South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind in Bowling Green presents Working with Benefits Q&A at its next social hour on Wednesday, January 12, from 2 to 3 p.m. Central, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Ashley Hessler, a certified benefits counselor with the Center for Accessible Living in Louisville, will answer your questions about working and how it can affect your SSI and SSDI benefits. The Zoom number for this call is 669-900-6833, and the code is 763-689-4411. The passcode, should you need it, is 25852. The Kentucky Talking Book Library will hold its January Book Club meeting on Tuesday, January 18 at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. This month's book selection is 
DB96370. The Secrets We Kept by Laura Prescott. For more details and to obtain the Zoom call-in information, call the library at 800-372-2968. The American Council of the Blind has two remote job openings available, and applications are now being accepted. One position is an ACB media and IT manager. The other is a contract position for an ACB media coordinator. Visit https colon slash slash www.acb.org slash jobs to read the complete job descriptions including duties, qualifications, and required skills. Application deadline is January 24, 2022. And now we bring you two more presentations from the KCB 2021 State Convention. On page two, Gay Panel, branch manager of the Independent Living Program with the Kentucky Office of Voc Rehab, explains the services available through her program to individuals across Kentucky who are blind or visually impaired. While this program is housed within OVR, eligible adults do not need to be looking for work or have a voc rehab counselor. Instead, it is especially helpful to senior citizens and to individuals who are not employed or able to work. On page 3, Dave Wilkinson from SpeedyTurtle.net introduces us to a variety of tech products for both blind and visually impaired individuals, including the BrailleSense 6 and the QBraille XL from HIMSS, the Victor Trek from HumanWare, and OrCam. You can listen to the latest issue of SoundPrints anytime, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, from any landline or cell phone. Just dial the KCB information line at 773-572-6318 and choose option 2 from the main menu. You can listen to SoundPrints on ACB Media 1, Sundays at 8 Eastern, Mondays at 8 a.m., Tuesday at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday at 4 a.m. and 4 p.m. Eastern, Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern, and Friday at 1 a.m., 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern. Access ACB Media 1 on the telephone by calling 518-906-1820 on your Victor Reader stream or on your Amazon Alexa Echo device or dot by asking... Alexa, to open ACB Media and choosing one if she gives you a choice. Access ACB Media by phone by dialing 518-906-1820 and choosing option 1 from the menu. Or listen on your Victor Reader stream or on your Amazon Echo or Amazon Echo Dot device by asking Alexa to open ACB Media 1. As always, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future shows. Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page 2. Good morning, everybody. I'm Carla Rushable, and I'm the treasurer of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. And I'm so pleased to be here with you this morning. Glad everybody could join us. And I'd like to take this opportunity 
to introduce our next speaker. I serve on the uh, on the SAC bar, which is the kind of new name for what used to be the statewide rehabilitation council when uh, when we had two separate agencies, and that was the rehabilitation council for the uh, office for the blind. And every time I go to that meeting and I hear reports, I learn something new. That group meets once a quarter. It is, uh, the meetings are open. They have been on Zoom for the last couple of years, a year and a half, of course. And, um, but the public is always invited to attend. And I'm always saying to people, you know, please come, find out what's happening, know what's going on. Today is an opportunity for us to hear from four people within the uh, Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. And it is our opportunity to, uh, to find out from, from them what the updates are, where we are right now with services. And so I'm hoping that you all will feel free that are here on Zoom to ask questions if you have them. Then we have how independent living services can help. And that's with Gay Panel. Gay is the branch manager uh, for the independent living services. And she's in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And I will say that working with Gay is a really uh, good experience. And um, we enjoy being able to partner with her. Gay, if you would talk to us uh, a little bit about independent living. Uh, I would appreciate it very much. We get lots of questions on the KCB line that are um, appropriate for independent living. And I like to think that we're able to work together pretty well. But I think individuals need to understand um, what all that entails as well. So the time is now yours. Thank you, Carla. And uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, it is always a pleasure to speak about the independent living program as you all know, uh, we are a program within OVR, and we are housed within the Division of Blind Services. We, um, as the Independent Living Program, are small in the terms of the number of staff that we have, but we are mighty and large in that we offer services in all 120 Kentucky counties. Now, the the purpose of the Independent Living Program uh, and the services that we offer is fairly simple. We try to enable individuals to improve or maintain their abilities to perform and manage their daily living activities. So when we begin working with an individual, it's really important for us to uh, take the time to listen to what is important to that person and then to develop an individualized plan that will help to move them toward doing the things that are important to them because not everything is important to everyone. So at times their personal goals may be relatively simple and in other circumstances, the needs are more complex. And so that's why that we will take the time at the very beginning um, to have a pretty lengthy conversation to do an assessment that will determine those needs and the wants of the person. Um, even though sometimes we might end up focusing on things that seem more complex, more in depth, uh, we really do not want to minimize the small things. 
because lifestyle quality, we believe, is often found in the daily details. So even if someone doesn't have a really complex uh, problem, we are still more than happy to speak with them, you know, just to accomplish what might seem like to a lot of people to be a small goal. So the general skill areas that we um, might often work in would include things like communications, uh, managing personal care, uh, date and time telling, um, managing personal money or banking tasks, um, kitchen safety, tactile labeling, some basic mobility, uh, magnification, and recreation. So we're really trying to look at sort of a broad picture of what makes up daily living and, and the activities that people want to be able to do. So I mentioned um, that we have a small staff. So currently there are uh, seven independent living counselors and we have a vacancy due to a recent retirement. So I thought it might be helpful for you to know where the counselors are uh, located. Uh, so that you would have an idea of how far away you might be uh, from one of those folks. Counselors are located in our Bowling Green office, Elizabethtown, Louisville, Lexington, Somerset, Covington, and Pikeville. And then plus we have uh, currently the vacant position, which is in Paducah. Each counselor is assigned a pretty large geographic coverage area, so it will make up several counties that they're responsible for, which means that uh, especially in um, pre-COVID time, they were out of their offices a, a great deal of the time going to these other uh, counties. But despite the small number of staff, even when we've been fully staffed, um, several hundred people will receive independent living services each year. So like uh, Cora mentioned in her presentation, uh, COVID has impacted those numbers, but we've uh, begun to see a rebound with the independent living program. Uh, previous before COVID and our pre-COVID days, uh, we were serving around uh, maybe around 700 people a year, something like that. Um, in 2020, we had... Um, Actually, I've forgotten the exact number. I'm, I'm sorry to say right this moment, but 400 and some uh, cases were came through the independent living program in 2020. In physical year uh, 2021, we had 523 um, cases that came through the independent living program. Um, so we we begin to feel like that we the independent living program is is on the rebound a little bit. And of course, the pandemic changed a lot of things, as we all know, changed it for everyone. And so it definitely included changing a program like independent living, that the primary way that we were serving people was to go into their homes, to travel um, the counties, go you know, all around the state, in and out of people's homes. Um, as you can imagine, um, COVID changed that immediately and drastically. So we had to transition. We had to rethink the way that we would do things. So in 2020, we made a transition from being nearly 100% in-person services with most of those services being in people's homes. And we had to go to being um, a 
nearly or, or entirely 100% remote service delivery. That was a big change um, for us. It took us a little while to get our thoughts together about that, to develop our methodology that we would do, uh, to really prioritize the things that we wanted to accomplish uh, during 2020. As we moved into to 2021, uh, we were a little bit uh, better. We were starting to um, be able to handle the situation better. And then, um, as Cora mentioned, we went back into offices in June of 2021. And we, in the Independent Living Program, began to offer um, a hybrid approach of services. Um, so our delivery model now is hybrid. We actually think that we will continue to work on perfecting a hybrid approach as we move forward, even post-COVID. Um, so currently we're offering uh, to folks uh, the still remote uh, service, which we'll do um, assessments and training by phone or by Zoom meetings like we're doing now. Uh, we're we have begun to offer in-home services again, and we're also offering uh, services at offices or other available locations that a person might prefer in their communities. So our counselors are getting back out again, uh, going back out into uh, counties. We're working very hard, as, as Cora and Heidi have both mentioned already, to maintain safety protocols. The safety of our uh, consumers are is you know, priority number one for us, uh, but also our staff as well. So uh, we continue to, to work on ways that we can uh, provide the best service and also the safest uh, method. So during the last six months um, that we've been offering those three options, we've had people to select all three. Um, so we've been in homes, we've had appointments at offices, um, and we're still doing quite a few remote services. Um, as you can imagine, um, we, in the independent living program, especially with the older blind program, we're working with people um, who do have certain vulnerabilities uh, due to health. And so um, we do have several people that are still preferring to uh, do remote services. So as an OVR program, we do uh, work with our VR counselor coworkers. Um, and so, but, uh, but I do want to mention that individuals do not have to have an employment goal to receive independent living services. Um, very often um, when someone is receiving VR services, independent living will be included on the employment uh, plan of services that they're developing. And we are more than happy to do assessments and to provide uh, training in those areas when needed. But individuals do not have to have that employment goal. Um, in fact, most of the independent living um, individuals that come through do not have an employment goal, and about 80% or so are at or near retirement age. So we are working with a lot of people who are in their 70s, 80s, 90s, and in fact, um, Almost every year, including 2021, we had a couple of people who were age 100 and over who came to us for some independent living skills training. And so we are working with all ages of people, um, but we, we do serve a lot of those older folks. Uh, you know, when we're working with anyone, whether they're on the VR um, program, 
caseload or whether they're just strictly coming through independent living, our main interest is providing that individualized service that meets the primary needs of each person. And so we we try to be very flexible in the service delivery that we offer. Um, we try to take a lot of time to listen to each person so that we do provide that individualized uh, service, which means that, um, you know, two people that may seem to have very similar circumstance may not receive exactly the same service from us because we are taking that time to look at each person individually. And I think in the uh, in the long run that people appreciate knowing that uh, they appreciate knowing that that their circumstance is is heard, um, even if they do have a very common diagnosis or seem to have a, a, a common circumstance. We accept referrals from all sources, and we are continually working to develop additional referral sources from around the state. As I mentioned, uh, we offer services in all 120 counties. So one of the things that our counselors do um, is spend quite a bit of time looking and developing referral sources in every county. Um, And it's As you can imagine, it's a little bit harder to find referral sources when we are out in the state, out in the rural areas of the state. So sometimes it takes a lot of diligence. It takes a lot of patience for counselors to find the people in those counties um, that that know who's in their community, who know who might need uh, service. So we're looking a lot of times for services, uh, service providers that are who are likely to be working with people, especially of the aging population, knowing that many folks of the aging population will have um, some vision loss. So we're really looking for uh, additional referral sources all the time. And I hope that will include um, all of you uh, from wherever you are out in in the part of the state that you're in to think about independent living, uh, to think about the folks that you might come in contact with who can use our uh, services. As as Carla mentioned, uh, I think one of the things that was really good, Carla, is um, it gave you and I more of a chance during COVID to um, talk a little bit more often. And we were able to, I think, probably strengthen the partnership that we uh, already had. And, and so that was probably one of the blessings that came out of, of COVID. And we want to do that same with, with everyone across the state. So that's a little bit of a summary about independent living. Um, I would be happy to uh, talk with anybody individually about a certain situation that you might know about or or have yourself. Um, And so I'm in the Bowling Green office, as was mentioned. You can certainly reach me there um, to talk about specifics of of, um, any certain uh, situation. But otherwise, um, we're open for questions or comments here today. Thank you for your time. Natalie, I think we can take one question if we have a hand. Yes, ma'am. Um, Terry. Thank you. Uh, it's wonderful hearing about this program. My question is, for your independent living counselors, how do they re- acquire the specialized kind of training that it takes to know how to assess and then how to uh, discuss service options and uh, skill options with individuals? Thanks, Terry, for uh, for bringing uh, that up, because as Cora mentioned, you know, recruitment is one of the really difficult things. And so uh, when we do um, hire someone through the Department of Personnel process, uh, we try to get someone who is 
going to have the best background as far as working directly as a service provider, already having that expertise of, of doing assessments, even if they're not blindness assessments, but already having the ability to do assessments. Um, we, we like to find folks who are already used to doing um, in-person services in homes as much as possible, um, those sorts of things. So those backgrounds um, are very valuable to us, and we really search those out. Once someone comes into our program, if they do not have a blindness uh, background, then we are going to utilize all sorts of um, in-house training um, models, all the way from um, utilizing um, Heidi at the center for having our new staff to work with her seasoned instructors uh, there. We are going to uh, utilize um, other uh, programs that, that do this sort of training that we can connect our staff with uh, for some mentoring, either through um, remote training, videos, whatever um, that they have. And then we do a lot of pairing um, with not just sending the new staff out um, on their own, but having them to go uh, maybe with a seasoned staff already. Um, I've done a lot of that over the years, going out and working with with people. Um, and we, we sort of take a little bit of time with our staff as well, knowing that they're not going to know everything that first day out. And so as they do assessments and, and we see what skills that they're needing to teach individuals, then we will uh, hone in on teaching our staff how to teach those skills to that specific individual. So sometimes we can't do that broad, just learn, learn everything all at once, but we will take very specific skills and teach those as we go along. Training takes uh, quite a little lengthy time in the independent living program, as you can imagine, for that very reason. Um, and so um, we try to get it moving, but we uh, also take our time so that staff build a really good foundation that will carry them through this process for the months and hopefully years to come. Okay. Thank you. I do have a question for Gay. I answer the phone for the Kentucky Council of the Blind, and I often have calls from people who live in assisted living um, facilities uh, or who are in nursing homes. And the common denominator, of course, is that they are blind or visually impaired. Some of them are in those facilities simply because they are blind or visually impaired. And uh, if they were not if they did not have that visual impairment, they would probably be in their own homes. Um, can your programs serve that type of consumer? This is Gay. Gay. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Uh, thank you. And uh, the independent living uh, program can serve people who are in nursing homes or assisted living uh, centers. Um, we will, again, just look at their situation, do an assessment, and try to provide uh, the type of service that will best suit their need. Or if they are transitioning, if they're only there temporarily, they're transitioning back home, um, then do what we can while they're there and make a plan for when they're returning home that we can work with them at home. Or very often work with the staff uh, or family who are seeing that person um, every day or much more regularly than we can, that we mm -hmm. maybe could teach um, or make recommendations for things that they could be learning and practicing before they would 
uh, go home or some things that the family might could get in place at the home uh, to make that transition easier. So, um, the, so the basic answer to the question as far as independent living is concerned is that, yes, we are happy to speak with um, anyone regardless of their living um, situation at the time, including nursing homes and assisted living centers. Okay. And maybe to help the family get an idea that the person isn't totally helpless just because they're losing their vision. <laughs> exactly. So thanks very much. Appreciate it so much. And you all have done a great job. Page three. Terry Terlow. Take it away, Terry. <laughs> well, thank you, sir. We are delighted to have with us today a gentleman that some of you may know who has developed a company that provides a lot of assistive technology kinds of services and products. So it is my pleasure to present to you all our one and only Dave Wilkinson with SpeedyTurtle.net. Well, thank you all very much. To give you a little bit of background on uh, me, and my little company, uh, as, as Terry was saying, it is called Speedy Turtle. And I sell a variety of different materials. I have uh, products from Hims, which is the folks that make the Braille Sense and the Braille Edge and uh, the Q Braille and all that kind of stuff. Um, I do have uh, open, source, open source products from Humanware. So I can sell things like the Victor Reader Stream and the Victor Trek. Um, some of uh, Humanware's low vision magnifiers uh, and a number of other things from Humanware. I also have OrCam, which if I can find here, it is on my desk. I knew I would eventually find it. I've been frantically looking for it, hoping that we would actually have it for a demonstration because things show so much better when you actually have them in front of you. Uh, and for folks who are not familiar with, or, uh, with OrCam, it is a tiny camera that's about the size of a tube of chapstick that is on that fits onto a pair of glasses that can read what's in front of you it can identify faces uh it can give you ideas of objects that are around you in the room now now we're just we're we're gonna go with it and hope for the best we are we're in a little bit of an odd scenario this morning to let you know why I'm, I mean, people who know me know that I'm usually discombobulated anyway, but I am in Phoenix at the moment, uh, getting ready for an, a competition tomorrow that I'm engaging in. And uh, so my whole world as usual is thrown all over the place. But uh, to continue, I, I think along with some of the things that I've represented, we'll get back to work cam in a second uh, and we'll do some demos with it. I, I also have a little device called the Sunu Band, which is a smartwatch developed specifically for the blind and visually impaired, which uh, its main thing that it has that's really cool is that it emits sonar waves and it vibrates when it encounters objects uh, so that you use it essentially to find everything that your cane is not going to find. So uh, I've used the Sunu Band for things like finding an open elevator door. Um, I've used it for finding tree branches that were above my head or, or actually not quite above my head that would bonk me in the head that a cane is going to miss. 
Um, I've used it instead of shorelining for finding things like break in a, a like in a brick wall, uh, you know, to turn in. Like if you think of that that driveway that goes up to APH where it has a, the little brick facade, now, um, you can use it to find breaks and things like that. Um, and it's comparably priced to other uh, smartwatches that are on the market. It's two hundred ninety nine bucks, so it's about the same pricing. It also has some other really cool benefits that are going to be a little bit hard to show this morning because I ended up having to use my phone for my uh, my Zoom link, and therefore it's going to be difficult to open the <laughs> the Sunuban app on said phone and make it all work. And I'm I'm only going to push my luck so far. So we'll tell you about the app anyway, uh, which can tie into things like Google Maps, and I can point my arm down the street and I can say. Um, what is in this general direction and it can tell me if there's you know if there's a restaurant in the next block or if there's a store in the next block um i can then zoom in on that particular location that i want so if i'm trying to find something to eat uh which is since i'm headed up towards race day is of particular importance to me um I, I can then say, yes, I want to go to that restaurant. The, the phone will then give me the regular map information and the SUNY band is providing me haptic feedback so that I'm not getting whacked by things that are sticking out above cane level uh, as I'm going along. It has an indoor and an outdoor setting so that I can adjust how far away objects are when they actually uh, are detected. So it can be up to... Uh, 16 meters, which is a pretty good distance. Uh, you can scale that back so that uh, when I when back in the, back in the old days when we used to actually show up in person and we had these things called exhibit booths, um, I, I was able to use a Sunu band to see if someone was standing in front of me because sometimes people will come up and they aren't really saying anything and you're not sure if you're if they're there or not. And I don't have enough vision to really be quite sure if someone's standing there or not, or if I'm looking at like some of the framework of someone else's exhibit. And, uh, you know, it, it, so if, if I've got the senior band on, I can tell if something has moved in front of me. And if it stopped in front of me, ergo, it must be a human. Ergo, it's time for me to talk, which, as you are discovering, is something that I can do forever. And I guess something I didn't point out ahead of time, I am in Louisville. Um, I do this, in all fairness, sort of part time. I do this as I can. I do have a uh, a a day job, I guess, as, as, as I would think of it. Um, I do web accessibility work for Hilton Hotels, um, but I really enjoy assistive technology products. I've been doing it for years and uh, I enjoy showing people stuff. I think it's a lot of fun to, to, to get to play with a lot of this stuff and to have cool techie toys. Um, and the reason I point this out is that I, you know, have cane will travel so that if you'll work with me on my sort of odd schedule for, when I can do demos and when I can't, i.e. nights and weekends, I will be happy to try to arrange a demo. Um, hopefully you will be relatively close to me. Uh, and if not, we'll figure something out. You, you all do have my contact information and I'll give it here just in case. My email address is dave at speedyturtle.net. And we'll get into why it is speedy turtle later on this morning in a different session. Uh, but for now, just take it for granted that it's speedy turtle. Uh, but I, I, uh, you know, if you're interested in any of the products that we're talking about this morning, I would be more than happy to, uh, to arrange a demo for you, uh, one way or the other, as always, you know, when you're looking at any of the stuff you want to try before you buy, uh, because money ain't growing on no trees.
So we've talked about the Sunu band a little bit. We're going to do a couple of things with the OrCam at this point. And there are various models of OrCams out there. And instead of going through the various permutations of the, 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 the marketing folks drive me insane at OrCam because they keep coming up with sort of a different model that has one thing different, blah, blah, blah. Call me and we'll discuss the, 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 the different options that you have. I'm using the MyEye Pro which essentially has everything. It, uh, as I said, it, it's about the size of a tube of chapstick. It comes with some little magnetic brackets that can be put on any pair of sunglasses. Uh, I'm wearing this so that it's at my eye level. And the idea of the OrCam is that it, you, in order to focus on something, you, and we're putting this in air quotes, look at it. Um, so that, you know, if I'm holding up a piece of paper in front of me, which we're going to do in a second, and we're going to violate one of the sacrosanct rules of uh, exhibiting, I have no idea what's on this piece of paper. I just grabbed it out of my race backpack. So we'll get a live demonstration on just how well it works. Um, it also has a color recognition. It has currency recognition. They are working on things like object recognition, which is something that we're going to test here in a little bit so that when you walk into a room, uh, it can tell you if there's something like a table in front of you and if there are round objects on the table, that would be cups or containers. It can also identify faces. So when you are walking into a room <clears throat> and it's right at your ear level, and I use this when I'm using OrCam with Bluetooth headphones, something like Aftershocks with uh, you know, that are bone conduction or with something like AirPods so that I'm actually not blocking off my hearing but I also don't want the rest of the world to be able to hear how I'm identifying who they are. And, uh, you know, if it sees a face that it recognizes, it's going to tell you who that person is. And when I do it, I have it record in that person's voice. So that last night we were playing with this with my, with my sister. And so, you know, I had it say Sarah and her voice, which was really pretty cool. Uh, if it doesn't know who the person is, it will tell you, you know, there are two, there's a person in front of you or there are two people in front of you, you know, or there are fill in the blank number of people in front of you. So that you at least know when you walk into a room that it's not empty. And uh, one of the things that sightlings do that occasionally drives me nuts is, you know, as a blind person, I will walk into a room again, back in the old days when we actually congregated together way back when uh, I'd go into a conference room and the sightlings would all be looking at their phones and doing whatever it is that sightlings do and uh, I wasn't quite sure if somebody was there or not. It was dead quiet. And you, you want to know if someone's there or not. And I can use OrCam to let to tell me if, and, you know, and I could listen really closely to hear if there's someone's breathing or wait for paper wrestling or something. But I'd rather just know right now because I'm an impatient person. And uh, OrCam can tell me that. It can say, you know, there's a, you know, a person in front of you or three people in front of you. And so then I know I need to behave and be on my moderately best behavior uh, that there are human beings here. Um, as I said, we were, it, it, it can do object recognition up to a point. We are going to try that. I did not have a chance to try this before I started this morning. So we are going to hope and pray that it works as it should. Um, it operates off of voice commands, which is pretty cool. So I can say, Hey, or cam. And it beeps at me. What's in front of me. 
objects found. And of course, it's going to say no relevant objects found. We're going to try this one more time. It's a demo. It's the way it always works, right? Hey, Orcam. What's in front of me? No relevant objects found. It's going to destroy me. It was doing so beautiful finding my coffee cup before. We're going to try this one more time. And of course, she tells me that she's listening. That's awesome. Um, we're going to give you one more. We're going to give you one more try at this, Miss Orcam, and then we'll try to identify a piece of paper. So let's try this one more time, though. Hey, Orcam. What's in front of me? I give up on you, Orcam. We're going to make it read a piece of paper instead. We are going to try to use a piece of paper, and we're going to have it scan this piece of paper, and we're going to see what kind of uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, junk mail I have in my backpack from uh, yesterday. And to do this, we're just going to hold the piece of paper, and I don't know if this is upside down or right side up. It will tell me sure enough, but I think you'll be impressed with how quickly the optical character recognition works here. Upside down to read it. Rotate the page and try again. So we're going to rotate the page and we're going to try again. It does want it uh, the right way up. Recover from the most grueling mace on earth. Supplements like these certified by a three-party program that tests for substances prohibited in sport at vitaminshop.com. Oh, that's awesome. It's a thing for testing for substances that you can't use in Iron Man. But notice how quick that was in recognizing it's instant. Uh, and even though I can do things like that with seeing AI, um, I don't find that the feedback is near as much. And I physically just enjoy being able to pick up something, quote unquote, look at it, uh, and have it actually read a piece of paper back to me. Uh, I, I, I don't know why I find that so fulfilling, but I really do. Um, and that the recognition is virtually instantaneous and it's not using the cloud, it's using onboard memory, and uh, which means that you don't have to have any type of an internet connection to be able to use this. Uh, it works in English and Spanish and they're adding other languages as we go along. Um, but I love the fact that it doesn't have to use the cloud. I've used this in other countries uh, where I wasn't sure, you know, where I had spotty uh, internet or cell service. And I was able to use it for things like, you know, menus in the, you know, in, in, in a hotel room. Um, so I, uh, I, I very much enjoy the fact that it's not in the cloud. <clears throat> there are different voices. You can use a, a, a male voice for it. Uh, it does have Bluetooth, so you can hook this up to your Bluetooth speaker, to your, uh, you know, your your aftershocks, uh, or anything else Bluetooth that you can find that you'd like to hook it into. It's an easy connection. You can use voice commands to tell it to look for Bluetooth connections. There is an app that you can use on your phone that will allow you to do all of your. Uh, settings, changing your volume, changing your speech, changing the pitch, changing the voice. The only time that OrCam ever wants the internet is for updates, and it will automatically update itself if you connect it to your Wi-Fi network, which you can do through the app on your phone. And uh, at that point, it 
will, when it is plugged in and charging, it will look for updates. And if there's a firmware update, it will update itself. And otherwise it has no connectivity to the internet and doesn't, and doesn't need one. There also is a device called OrCam Read, which is a handheld device about the size of a, uh, a marker, like a highlight marker that is more aimed at uh, people with low vision where you can point it at specific blocks of text, like a newspaper column, and it will instantly read that column for you um, so that it's, it, it doesn't do any of the, the color recognition or facial recognition or object recognition, but it does have the, the basic ability to be able to read text that is just right in front of you, and you can zoom, on it, zoom in on a specific set of text and have it read back to you. A couple of other things that I do want to talk about that I'm really excited about uh, from the 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 folks from Hims, uh, not to be confused with some of the folks, some of the the company Hims that you may have hear on your radio every now and then. These folks actually make electronics. Um, they just released their latest series or their latest uh, permutation of the Braille Sense. I'm really proud of the Braille Sense line of products. When I worked at Hims for a number of years, and I got to be in on the development of the initial Braille Sense Polaris when we were switching over to Android. And so I have a particular bit of pride uh, in sort of that whole line of products. But the Braille Sense Polaris, which came out several years ago, was starting to get a little long in the tooth. It was using an antiquated version of Android and uh, it was time to move on. And so they did, they released the Braille Sense 6, which uh, is, using, is running Android 10. It will hook up to your you can use it as a Braille display with your iPhone, so don't let that throw you. Even though it's, it's running Android in the background, you can still use it as a Braille display with your iPhone. Um, but it also has a number of other just fabulous things that they've done. They, uh, it comes with a, a, a wonderful built-in dictionary so that I can look up uh, words from anywhere and everywhere and not have to have access to the Internet to do it. Uh, it does have a camera, so it's got uh, color recognition. They've done a number of wonderful things with making things like downloading books easier with a, a Bookshare download. Um, they just released firmware that has uh, its own podcast podcatchers so that I was able to subscribe to Soundprints on the Braille Sense uh, the other day. Um, just to give you a little bit of an idea of sort of what it would sound like, we are going to turn its voice on. And we're going to slow this down. And there are different voices that I can use. I have a male voice at the moment. I could also use, there, there are a number of, of uh, you can actually download lots and lots of different voices for it. Uh, this has 100 gigabytes of storage. It has two different sides to it. And this is one of the things that I think is really nice about the Braille Sense. Uh, it has sort of the everything is accessible side. So that if I press function key one on this bad boy. Manager, F. Word processor, W. Notepad, N. Email, e. And I'm just scrolling down through the list. And these are all programs that were specifically developed by uh, the folks at HIMSS. So it has its own email program, its own word processor, uh, its own internet browser. It has a fabulous Google search tool uh, so that I don't have to use, go onto Google to search for things. So that if I wanted to look for, uh, well, let's try this. Browser, v. We'll go into the Google search and then we'll get into some of the uh, some of the things you, you can do on the Android side. Starting web browser. I didn't HTTP loading. I didn't browser. B. We want to go to Google. Google search. G. Search term. 
and we can put in Kentucky Council of the Blind. Kentucky. Council. Oops, because I can't spell. ER. Council of Searching. And this just avoids having to go through the whole Google page, which can be a little bit tricky on mobile devices. The blind building better tomorrow's today for 164. And it brought up 64 different results. And the first one of them here is Kentucky Council of, of the Blind Building a Better World. Uh, and that's you guys. And I could press enter and I would instantly go to your web, uh, to your web page and I would be off and running. So I just do that as an example of how you can have blind friendly programs, uh, so that if you don't want to venture out into the things like the Google Play Store, you don't have to. But if you decide that you do, it is easy enough to do. We're going to exit out of my Google search. Google search, G. File manager, F. And way down at the end of my menu, information, all apps, A. Play Store, P. I can go to the Google Play Store and I can download anything that I want on here. And uh, since it is running Android 10, which is Hims says is going to be upgraded in the future. I do not know what the, the plans are on that, but uh, for those of you who are like, yeah, but they're already up to Android 11 or 12, they are talking about system upgrades. I do not have any information on um, But uh, I can go to the Play Store and I can look for pretty much any app that I want uh, in here and I can download it onto my uh, BrailleSense 6. Now, the downside of that, just like when you're using a computer, is the app may or may not be accessible because there are accessibility guidelines that companies can choose to follow or not follow. Um, but I do have the app of at least giving it a try. And so if I want to go here and look at some of the apps that I've downloaded. Amazon. I have Amazon downloaded. Who doesn't have Amazon downloaded, right? Amazon Music. Amex. So I have Amex. I can look at my, uh, my card statements. I can see how much money I'm, I owe people. Uh, I have Google Assistant downloaded on here. Um, I can go to things like TuneIn Radio, which I have downloaded on here. Teams. I do have Microsoft Teams. I use this for work constantly. Training Peaks. TuneIn Radio. And so if I hit enter on TuneIn Radio. TuneIn Radio Web View. And it immediately opens and it wants to know. Uh, and then I press my tab key and it's going to want. Web View TuneIn Radio. Button, close button. It's wanting me to rate the app and we're not going to. And then I just use my tab key. But TuneIn Radio is infinitely accessible. You just use your tab keys to move through the app. Um, and then I, I, I can use my uh, traditional 1356 in the space bar or Z cord uh, to close it. Um, so I could go into the hardware specs on this, but hardware specs and numbers always just drive people insane. What I will say is that this is insanely fast. It is faster than a lot of the uh, commercial tablets that are available off the shelf. Uh, this is a 32-cell model. There are, I'm sure, are plans for a 20-cell model. Uh, it has USB-C, uh, traditional USB, Bluetooth, supports Wi-Fi, add any letter you want, A, C, G, N, uh, all that kind of exciting stuff. Um, and it's just an incredibly fast, uh, efficient, effective note-taking device if that's if that if you're wanting to go the route of a note-taker. In the few minutes that I have left, I do want to discuss something if you do not want to go the route of a note-taker, which is the Q-Braille Braille display. 
and it is essentially a Perkins, it is a 40-cell Braille display with a Perkins-style Braille keyboard, and then it has every other key that you would find on a computer. So it has a row of function keys across the top. It has an application key, an, an alt key, a control key, etc. And the genius of that is that whenever you're using Braille displays, typically if you wanted to use the Perkins-style display to run your computer, you had to look and learn really weird commands to be able to open and close apps and get to the start menu and get to your desktop, et cetera. And on here, you don't. If, because it's got an application key, I can press you know, Windows key D, and it goes to my desktop. If I'm inside of Microsoft Word, I can press Alt F4, and it closes Microsoft Word. I have an escape key. Uh, I've got function keys, so that if I want to line up my list of links on a website, I can press insert F7 because I've got an insert key and I've got an F7 key. And this is all being driven from the Braille display itself. So I, I, when I'm looking at a Braille display, I think in Braille, I want to write in Braille, and this gives me the option of using a Braille keyboard to be able to write, uh, while at the same time having uh, function keys and the traditional computer keys, arrow keys, your control key, et cetera, so that you can not have, so you don't have to learn Byzantine commands to uh, to be able just to run, to, to run your computer. And I find that combination to be uh, exciting and something that works with the way that, the, the way that my brain works. Uh, and that is called the cube rail. And the reason, and, and I, 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 not that I usually get hung up on names, but it's the Cubrail XL. And to digest or, or dissect that name, it's Cubrail because it's a QWERTY keyboard that's put into a Braille keyboard, 40 because it's 40 cells, and then XL because that's the Roman number for uh, 40. So it's the Cubrail XL, which I thought was a really neat way of naming things. So that is some of the products that I represent. I have been. I will say that uh, since I've been here in Phoenix, I've been using my Victor Trek a lot. If you haven't looked at the Trek before, I would encourage you to do so. It has all of the benefits of the Victor Stream plus GPS, and uh, I still find the Victor Trek to be, or any of the HumanWare Trek products, uh, past or present, to be the best in navigating open areas where you don't have streets uh, to navigate. And I'd be happy to, I can go into more detail on that sometime, but we're running up really close to my time allotment, and I don't want people to get mad at me if I go over. I'm not going to be the reason your conference is delayed. But I did want to at least throw in a, a, a couple of mentions for the Victor Track uh, that I've been using as GPS capabilities a ton since I do not know my way around in Arizona, uh, and it's proven to be extremely helpful. So that is a quick rundown, mostly successful, on products that I have. Uh, again, my email address is dave at speedyturtle.net. My apologies for the Orcam not seeing the coffee cup, but at least it did. It was able to read our, our paper for us, and uh, we were able to make, make it do a couple of other things. Uh, I have me right at time, so I'm going to turn this back over to Terry. I would like to thank you all again for the opportunity to, to be here. It is a pleasure to, it's always a pleasure to be a part of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Uh, I'm privileged to be able to be a sponsor, and I hope you all have a marvelous holiday season coming up, starting with Thanksgiving. So early Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving and Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll save the Happy New Year bit. That's just too far out for me. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 
or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.